you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. chose to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to get it out and turn with me to the book of Luke, the second chapter, and the 52nd verse. And I also want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15, another important scripture. We're going to look at Luke 2 and 52, and we're going to look at 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verse 15. Amen. I heard that we may be eating brisket on Sunday. Kind of excited about that. Wish I had a sample right now. I'm hungry. I don't know. Maybe we just put this lesson on pause. Luke 2 and 52 picks up as an account of what is happening when Jesus is 12 years old. He is with Mary and he and Joseph and he is in the temple and gets separated from his family and there he astonishes those who are in the temple, the teachers, and he blows their mind with his concepts and insight. And then Jesus slides off the scene. And we don't read about him again until he's 30 years of age. So from 12 to 30, we don't read about Jesus in the Scripture And so the only scripture that gives us insight into the life of Jesus is Luke chapter 2, verse 52, and it tells us what is going on between the time he's 12 years old in the temple, already with enough wisdom and biblical knowledge to astound the scholars and the teachers of that day, yet... 18 years passes before he comes on the scene again. And this passage tells us all we know about what is going on in the life of Jesus. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. 
pay attention here, not just one aspect of his life, but he increased in wisdom and in stature. Now pay attention, wisdom, of course, is what we do with the knowledge that we have. Stature is speaking of the physical development. And of course, he was obeying the law, waiting until he was 30 years of age to fulfill the law, and he was growing in physical stature, and he was, during that time, he was growing in favor with God and favor with man. These are very important, this is a very important concept for us to grasp. I want you to look at your neighbor tonight and tell them you're not wasting your time. You're not wasting your time when you are growing. It is so very important. As a matter of fact, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. I want you to read it out loud with me if you would. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Here's what the Bible tells us. This is what Timothy this is what the Apostle Paul tells Timothy in his second letter. He tells him, Timothy, here's what I want you to do. I want you to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I want you to say out loud with me, I'm not wasting my time. I'm going to talk to you tonight about spiritual growth. There is something you must understand about growth. Spiritual growth or any type of growth, it takes time. Spiritual growth comes with time. We must always be growing. We must always be learning. We must always be becoming more than what we are. And this is the process of spiritual growth. Now, this subject that I'm touching tonight, there is no way that I will complete it. I know I told you last week that I would possibly be coming tonight talking to you about the armor of God. I felt to go this direction. I may back up and get on the armor of God here in a week or two, but tonight I felt it important for us to talk about spiritual growth. Because I feel like we need to be reminded once in a while that we are not wasting our time. Why do I show up to church? Why do I pray? Why do I study the Bible? Why am I, why am I doing all these things that I'm doing? It seems like, you know, I get it. I, I'm, I've, I've been baptized, received the Holy Ghost, serving God. Uh, it seems like I'm, I'm wasting a lot of time here. You are not wasting your time. If you are growing in wisdom, you're not wasting your time. There may be a growth of stature. Here's what I want to say. I know our young people are out tonight. I raised, I raised three sons, all called to ministry at a very young age. And I, I had all sorts of everything from petitions. I don't know if some of you remember this, but... I think Brother Kevin Spangler had a little something to do with a petition that Spencer, I remember it was 2011, and Spencer came to me with a petition with about 80 signatures. Some of you may have signed that. 
and it was the, the campaign he was running was let Spencer preach in 2011. He was 11. And so he ran a campaign and he came to me because I wouldn't allow him to preach. And he was wanting to preach real bad. And so he ran a campaign, got signatures and came and said, look, Dad, 80 people signed this signature, put, put this down. They, they think you need to let me preach in 2011. He was 11 years old. And I can't remember, maybe, maybe, maybe he did preach that year. Um, maybe I did allow him to preach. Um, maybe he opened a service and preached a little bit or something. But there is something to be said about the dynamic of growing in stature, the wisdom that comes with it. Most of us don't really care what people know until we know what people have been through and we know that they care. And so there are some things that comes with the physical growth and development. It comes with age. It comes with understanding uh, because of what you've been through. And our effectiveness is, as in, increases. And we, we recognize that um, people who have been through something may have a little insight, a little something to say to us that helps us in our walk with the Lord. Paul tells the young Timothy who was preparing for ministry, and he tells him in his second letter, Timothy, I want you to study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. He's telling him, don't handle the word of God with craftiness. The Bible says, the, the Bible gives us all sorts of insight on the use of scripture and ministry, uh, to not be a novice, to grow, uh, to develop. And so I want to talk to you tonight about spiritual growth and about what you are accomplishing in life and in your walk with the Lord during the growth process. It is a growth process. How many of you understand that seasons are important with growth? Seasons are important. I have in my front yard a tree. I planted that tree when I unloaded it out of the back of my pickup. Today that tree is probably about 10 inches in diameter, stands about... 35, 40 feet tall. As a matter of fact, it needs to be trimmed. But when I unloaded it out of the back of my pickup, I unloaded it by myself and put it in the ground. Now, I couldn't do that today because it weighs probably thousands of pounds. But when it was small, I was able to handle it. But now it's in the ground and it has taken root. And it has endured some things. It's endured some storms. It's gone through some things. Because it has a root system that is put down. Your root system is very important for your spiritual growth. Let me share with you uh, a, a little research on uh, a tree. Many of you have heard of them, maybe seen them. Maybe some of you have uh, had little mock plants that they call the bonsai tree. It was about 700 A.D., uh, when the Japanese introduced a tree to the world that's called the bonsai tree. This little tree is measured in inches instead of in feet as other trees are measured. The bonsai tree is intentionally 
not allowed to reach anywhere near its full potential. But instead, it grows in a stunted or a miniature form. The reason that the bonsai tree grows the way that it does is because as soon as the bonsai tree pops through the surface of the ground, it, its owner will pluck it up and will take the, the main taproot that the bonsai tree is naturally uh, germinated with and it will, it will break off that main taproot and then it takes all of the small roots and it bundles them together and ties them together and puts it in a very small pot. And all it has now is the branch and feeder roots because the tap root will never regrow. The feeder roots will regrow, but the tap root, once it is removed, will never return. And so the bonsai tree is affected because its root system has been manipulated. It has been cut off and forced into a very small pot. The tree continues to live, but the tree does not grow. The potential of the tree is cut off by the cutting of the tap root. This is exactly what the enemy would like to do with every child of God, with every new convert, with every individual that has potential. Your potential may be great, but if we're not careful, we will allow our adversary to come in and manipulate our roots. And it often happens when we are very young, when we are not developed, as does with the bonsai. If the tree is allowed to get very tall and they cut off the root, the whole tree dies. But if it's done when it's very small, it's done in its new, in its new, newly formation, in, in its young age, then the tree will grow, but it will never reach its potential. This is why it is so very important for the ministries of our church that are working with young people, students, children, all ministries that are reaching to new converts, people that are learning, that are growing, that we are so very careful, so very gentle in how we deal with those precious souls. Because the adversary would like for us to take a misstep and affect that root system in a negative way to take what the potential of a tree to become, to grow and become a great, a great tree in God's wonderful forest for it to be manipulated and brought into a small little pot that never grows more than a few inches Although it is years old, it is only just a few inches tall. This is what the enemy would like to do to every one of us. He would like to manipulate our systems, our root systems, and cause us to 
never develop, to cause us to, 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 to lose our potential. So I speak to all of us tonight when I tell you that being here on a Wednesday night is the right thing to do. Being at church every time you can is the right thing to do. Studying the Bible is the right thing to do. There are, I'm just going to touch on these, uh, I believe, four very key elements that I want to bring to you tonight. And I probably won't exhaust all of these because you may be exhausted before I exhaust them. Just so you know, I have about 25 pages of notes tonight. If it takes me about five minutes per page and I have 25 pages of notes, um, my calculation says I'm just over two hours. So don't get nervous. I'm just messing with you. I'm really not going to do that to you tonight. But I do want to talk about these four key elements or four key resources for spiritual growth. It's the areas of our spiritual life that we must guard because I believe these are the core tap roots that the enemy would like to hinder and the way he could destroy our potential is by affecting those important resources, those important roots that God has placed before us. And it's the way we grow. And so the first of these is prayer. And I'm going to take a little time on each of these tonight. I'm going to go ahead and give you all four up front. And because I'm going to bounce around between some of these in, in my lesson tonight. The first is prayer. Prayer is such an important resource. Here is what we must understand. These things I'm going to talk to you about tonight. The enemy will tell every one of us it is not important and it is a waste of our time. He will tell us prayer is not important. Prayer should not be a priority. Prayer is a waste of time. These are things the enemy would say because if he can destroy our prayer and our prayer life, you understand what I mean by prayer life? That I'm talking about our daily prayer. More than just God bless my chicken noodles. I'm on a food kick tonight. But I'm talking about prayer that touches heaven. Daily prayer, consistent prayer. Prayer is one of the resources that we have by which we will grow or we will be destroyed. We will grow with prayer or the lack of prayer will bring us our demise. Number two, the study of God's Word, Bible study. Preaching, teaching, and I'm not just talking about reading the word. A lot of people, a lot of people, feel like, well, you know, I I opened up and I, I read, you know, I, I opened up, read two or three chapters. That's good. That's wonderful. Read your Bible. That's good. Study. Here's what here's what Paul tells Timothy. Study to show yourself approved unto God. I'm talking about. Rightly dividing the scripture. 
Learn how to study the Scripture. It does not come overnight, just like your prayer life does not develop overnight. You will not just wake up one day and automatically be a great prayer warrior. You know how you're going to become a prayer warrior? You're going to become a prayer warrior by forcing yourself to pray. And when you start out, you may pray two or three minutes and run out of things to pray for and say, I'm done. I don't have anything else to pray for. That's okay. Go back tomorrow and pray for the same two or three things. But after a while, that prayer will become easy and you can add to it. And what happens is, is before long, you're praying five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, half hour. If you read through the scripture, you find Daniel who was thrown in the lion's den because he would not bow to the king. But you know what Dan Daniel did? He prayed. Three times a day he prayed. He went and he prayed. I'm sure that some of those prayers sounded like they were a bit redundant. You're not wasting your time. Because prayer is a discipline that we must put into our life. And that growth that comes through prayer, we learn how to touch heaven. We learn how to pray. The disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And he said, when you pray. Sometimes, here's the issue. We want to know more about how we pray. I've been in the church all my life. I've been to conferences, seminars, prayer conferences, and they've taught us every possible way to pray, every possible time to pray. I almost chuckle sometimes when I hear some people come with these lessons on, oh, this is the newfound way of praying, and if you don't pray like this, then you're not praying right. It's those that you want to get up and pray at 4 a.m. and you, you've read the book, The Nautical Hour, and all those things, that's good, that's wonderful. I've read it too, and I've gotten up at 4 o'clock and prayed too. That, that's wonderful, it's good. But the problem is, if that's the only time God answers prayer at 4 o'clock, what happens if you're in Australia? Somebody should have written a prayer song. It's 4 o'clock somewhere. The, the issue is, is that we pray. The issue is, is that we are praying. And the study of God's Word. It's more than just reading. Now, as I'm teaching tonight, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say some things over and over again because that's how I teach. I want you to get this. But in the study of God's Word, be careful to not take what I'm saying tonight as well, every night before I go to bed, I got to open my Bible and I got to read four chapters. I remember the first 10 verses, and after that, my eyes cross and I can't remember, and I fall asleep. That's okay if you want to read like that. That's okay. But that is not the development that I'm talking about. I'm talking about learning to study the Word of God, learning, learning to read the Word of God. And understand what we are reading. To comprehend what we are reading. These things do not come easy. 
because the Bible is one of the most complex books you will ever read. And particularly until you learn how to rightly divide the Scripture. To learn what you are reading, what you are reading about, who it's written to, how it applies to my life today. And so just some simple tips of learning how to study the Word of God can be so very beneficial. It doesn't happen overnight. But whether you are sitting down of a morning, drinking your coffee, and reading a couple of chapters, or whether you're reading a couple of chapters as you fall asleep at night, whatever you are doing, you are not wasting your time. But my admonition to you tonight, my counsel to you tonight, is for real spiritual growth. We must assign ourselves to a steady habit of study to learn the Bible, to learn about the Scripture. We all have certain gifts. There are programs, youth programs, um, some, some of which uh, learn large passages of Scripture and uh, recite them. They do it in competitive ways. I think Chad's parents led the Indiana district for many, many years in, um, in, in Bible quizzing. Chad was one of the Bible quizzers. And I, I don't know all the, the, the books or chapters that Chad knows, but I know he, he has the ability to quote great large passages and chunks of Scripture. That's amazing. That's noteworthy. That's incredible. But we must be careful to not get locked into the idea that I have to memorize all the Bible, I have to memorize all the Scripture. Some people may be able to memorize better than others. I'm, I'm a note user. The reason I'm a note user is because I would forget what I'm teaching if I didn't have notes. It's how my brain works. So I need notes. It keeps me on track. Keeps me on target. Everybody's different. Just because Chad can quote large chunks of scripture and they may, that may not be a gifting of yours, do not feel like that automatically disqualifies me from learning or studying the word of God. You may have a unique ability to be able to take a passage in the Old Testament and a passage in the New Testament and see how they come together. And although you may not be able to quote, but you're able to bring those connections together. Other people may be able to, to study genealogy or to, to do certain word studies and connect the dots through the Scripture and see how it comes together. Whatever your gifting may be, the idea is that we are studying to show ourselves approved unto God. Ultimately, this is where we need to get to. We need to get to a point where we're not having to rely on, well, that's what the preacher says. But when somebody asks us, why do you believe like you believe? That we can say, thank you for asking. I would like to take you to Scripture and show you why I believe 
what I believe? Can I show you the plan of salvation? Can I show you the holiness and separated life? Can I take you to Scripture and show you why these things are important? This comes through the discipline of studying God's Word. The third discipline I want to talk to you about tonight, the third element, the third resource that God has given us that is a great part of our growth process is the discipline of fasting. I am speaking of fasting tonight, not only a fasting of food, but the development of certain of certain disciplines that we break habit patterns of the flesh to give way for spiritual growth. If we're not careful, we will become self-governed by the flesh. Self-governed by our understanding. I, I talked to someone the other day that I hadn't seen in a while. And I have a long pretty long relationship with them and somebody asked me hey did you see so and so and I said I did and they said uh, did you talk to them I said I did and they said well how were they I said pretty good they said have they changed I said well yes and no they said well what do you mean I said well do you remember them before they got an education they were a nice guy but then after they got an education they got haughty, lifted up in their own mind, smarter than everybody else. And I turned to a few young people that were with me, and I said, let this be a lesson for you. Get the best education you can and get over it. Don't let it get in your head. When you walk in and you automatically think you're the smartest guy in the room, you've got a, you've got a head problem you got a thinking problem. We need to develop controls in our life that squelches the flesh, flesh rule, flesh government. I am who I am because I am so intellectual, because I'm so smart, because I'm so gifted, because I'm so talented. Only the disciplines that are taught through fasting, self-denial, and self-control will allow us to grow beyond those things. The most gifted people on the planet are people who are required to get their flesh in check very early on. Learn to, it, it's wonderful. We have a lot of talented people here in the church. Thank God for all the talent that we have. Great musicians, great singers, great educated people, great business people. If I was to admonish anything tonight, I would tell you, discipline yourself early on. If not, your gifting, your talent, your education, your ability can be the very thing that cripples and hinders your usability in the kingdom of God. Oh, I thought that's what will excel you in the kingdom of God. No amount of talent will excel you if you lack humility. 
The Bible tells us to walk in humility. This is, this is something that, we, that we, we gain in our life through fasting and the work of discipline. These do not come overnight. All the things I'm talking to you about tonight, I've touched on prayer, I've touched on studying the Word of God, now I'm touching on fasting and discipline of the flesh, the disciplines of the flesh. They do not, you don't just come to the altar, repent, get baptized, and receive the Holy Ghost, and go home, and everything in your life is different and under control. Here's what I've learned. Those that had issues with the flesh before, you're still going to have some issues with the flesh. Probably the same issues you had before you repented, before you were baptized, before you received the Holy Ghost. Those same things are going to show up. You have anger problems before, probably going to still have some anger problems. What you have now is you have the help of the Holy Ghost to overcome those. Addictions. Addictions are sins of the flesh. They are things that get control of you. They govern your life. They dictate to you and tell you what you're going to do. Addictions. It tells you. It controls you. It tells you this is what you're going to do. And if we're not careful, we will give in to that addiction and do exactly what the flesh says to do. But the Apostle Paul tells us, oh, we're no longer debtors to the flesh. You know what he's talking about? This is the very thing he's talking about. We are not indebted to this flesh to live according to the government to, to the governing of this flesh. We now are born again of the water and of the spirit. We no longer have to be governed. We're no longer slaves to the flesh. Now, does it mean that the flesh is still there? Yes. Does it mean that the addiction still gnaws on us? Yes. Does it mean the temptation is not real? No, the temptation is real. It's still going to come. Now we have the power of the Holy Ghost to resist the devil, to resist the enemy, and to declare, I will not walk according to the flesh. I can walk according to the Holy Ghost. So these disciplines are not things that happen overnight. It's things we develop. We learn. I often tell people, when you remove something out of your life, when you remove a bad habit out of your life, replace it with something positive. Put something in its place. When you have to remove a friend out of your life because they pull you down, find a friend that lifts you up. Put a godly friend. You remove bad counsel out of your life, find godly counsel and put into your life. Choose, choose to not live by self-government that controls you and leads you back into sin. It will snip the roots and cause you to not grow. The fourth, the fourth thing that I want to talk to you about is your involvement in the local church, church involvement, your involvement in a local church. This is a, there is a reason that the Bible tells us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. There's a reason that the Bible tells us because there is growth that comes. You want to know one of the best ways to grow? Get involved with a group of people that are serving God. You learn from them, you grow with them. 
They lift you up. They help you. They get you through tough days. When you feel like quitting, they encourage you. We are our brother's keeper. We do strengthen one another. And so our involvement and faithfulness to the local church is a great avenue for spiritual growth. Without it, we will probably die a spiritual death. Don't even remember who it was. The other day somebody was telling me, if I think long enough, I'll probably remember. They were telling me that they were talking to somebody and they told them, well, you, you just got to get in church. And they said, well, you know, I mean, I, I go or whatever. They said, no, 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 you've got to get in church. You've got to be faithful to it. You've got you've to be part of it. That is because this is where our root system goes down. This is where our roots collect nourishment. So there's a lot to the, the gathering together of God's people. The corporate gathering of God's people began with the early church. It was the first thing Jesus sent out. The uh, J- Jesus, uh, when, when he ascended upon high, all of the uh, apostles gathered together after that they had been taught to understand and know what to do. The apostles then go out in the founding of churches. They go out in the establishment of churches. It was a gathering. People say, well, they were gathering house to house. Yes, indeed. It was early. It was in its formidable years. It was in the beginning stages when they could gather with two or three. I, Some of you are going to remember this. Remember, about 13 or 14 years ago, we started prayer meetings here, and we were doing house to house prayer meetings. Uh, January and February, we had we went to a different family's house every night for about about 30 or 30 days, maybe it was. Uh, we went to some maybe 21 days. I think we went to 21 different houses during that time. We would go to somebody's house tonight, somebody else tomorrow night, and the next. There was averaging about 13 people showing up. The next year we had about 20. The next year we had about 30. By the time we finally had to stop doing house-to-house prayer meeting because our neighbors was trying to figure out what 80 people are doing packed into our houses. And our houses weren't big enough to handle it. So understand, it was not because, well, Brother Jordan doesn't any longer believe in house-to-house prayer. Not true. We had so many people showing up to prayer that we had to get a building bigger so we could all get together. So the gathering together is because corporately, the Bible tells us to gather together. There's nothing wrong with gathering in a house. But if your church assembly is larger, we need to come together. People say, well, I I don't believe in organized religion. Then they don't believe the Bible. Because the Bible gives us specific instructions on how the church ought to operate, on how the leadership ought to operate. It even tells us who ought to be an usher and not an usher, who ought to be an elder and a deacon, and who ought to not be. It gives us all these organizational structures. The Bible gives us foundational truths of how the church must operate. So the local church was designed by God, and it is important that we are part of it. We are told to not forsake being part of the local church. Don't forsake gathering together. Don't forsake being plugged in. Don't forsake being connected together. You want to know why? Because there is strength in our worship. 
There's strength in corporate prayer. There's strength in just coming together and seeing, hey, I'm not just, it's not just me and my family alone over here on Armstrong Street trying to serve the Lord. I've got a whole group of people serving the Lord. Hey, it's not just my family going through it, but there's other families that are going through it. It's not just my family that's suffering. There's other families that are suffering, and there's other families that are rejoicing, and there's other families that are being blessed because this is bigger than we are. And so there's growth that comes from that, plus the preached Word of God, the corporate worship setting, the singing, the music, and Something we don't talk a lot about. We're going to do Sunday. The fellowship. Do you know that's biblical? We talk a lot about fasting, talk a lot about praying. But do you know that fellowship is all through the scripture? From the very beginning, the foundation of the church, when they gathered together daily, you know what it said they did? They broke bread. That means they ate. And they fellowship. Sometimes just getting together and fellowshipping. Sunday, service was over. We showed up at a restaurant. There was others at the restaurant. We're down here at our table. They're over at their table. I think we had all, I think we had all the tables in the restaurant filled. We're just fellowshipping. When I first came here, when my wife and I Matter of fact, before we were even married, when the old Pizza Hut, y'all remember the old Pizza Hut before they built a new one? The old Pizza Hut, Sunday night. Matter of fact, I remember before that, when I first came here, we went to Bruno's. That building's torn down. Y'all remember that? I know you remember it, Cindy. Service was over. There'd be 50 people packed in there. Well, boy, these people like to eat. Maybe so, but you know what? It was strengthening, just fellowship. We've been to church. We worship together. Now we're fellowshipping together. We're laughing. We're talking. Our kids are growing up together. We're, we're fellowshipping. The fellowship, our local, the important, it is so important that we are part of a local assembly because the fellowship is very important for us, the camaraderie. The growing together. All of those things are so very important. When you take an individual out of the local church and isolate them and put them in a little corner and set them over in their little house and, well, I'm just going to watch service online and I'm just going to study and I'm just going to have my little talk with Jesus by myself and they set over by themselves. Let me tell you what the, what the enemy's doing. He's tying up your root system. He's binding your growth. He's keeping you from becoming what you ought to become. Spiritual growth is a part of the transformation process that every person, every child of God must understand that growth is part of the transformation. I'm 53 years old. I was born... The third day of my life, I was in church. My dad was pastoring in a little community in East Texas. My mom sat on the second row right there uh, about where uh, Chad and Jace are sitting. 
My mom sat right about where Chad is sitting and growing up. I sat right next to my mom. She didn't let me get very far. So I was there, and occasionally she'd let me play on the floor if I was real quiet. And then she'd make me sit back up in the chair, and I grew up, I grew up on a church pew. It's all that I ever knew was being in and around the church. But there are stages of my life, even growing up in and around the church, in a very protected environment, in an environment that I did not know a lot about the world. I knew a lot about the church, but I didn't know a lot about the world. I knew a lot about the Bible, but I didn't know a lot about the world. But I can take you to moments in my spiritual walk where I had huge stages of growth because I reached certain segments. I remember when I, between the time I was about 18 and 19 years old, I, I was filled with questions, things I did not understand. There was a lot of doubt and unbelief. I was questioning the validity of our church teaching and of the doctrine. It was the point, it was the time that I had to get it for myself. All of the years of growing up in and around church, all the Sunday school classes, all of the Bible study teaching, all the messages, all the preaching, all the church services, there still was a time that I had to understand it for myself. And God put me in an environment where I was working with a minister that was not of our faith and he would ask me questions. And my pastor was teaching a series on Wednesday night. And I would go to church on Wednesday night, notepad in hand. And I would write everything I could write as he was teaching some of the basic doctrines. I would go home. I was living by myself at that time. I would read through that, those, those scriptures. I would mark my Bible. I would pay close attention. I would make notes. I was learning it for myself. I was getting it for myself. I would go back to work. And when the opportunity claimed, came for Cleve to come to where I was, his name was Cleve Sharp, nice man, he came to me and he would say, well, you know, let me ask you this question. I'd grab out my notepad. I'd start telling him what my pastor had taught and what I understood and what the scripture said. And I'd take him to another's. And I was learning and I was growing. It was a season of growth. Through that season, I became bold enough to declare my call to ministry, my call to preach. Went on to Bible college, got to Bible college, sit in a saturated environment where we were being taught the Word of God class after class, day after day, week and month after month. And the growth that was happening during those times, different seasons of my life when I've been able to steal away and pull away from family, pull away from individuals to get my face in the Word of God, get on my prayer bones and pray and seek God and study the Word and let new revelation come and new understanding come. Through those times, you know what is happening? It is the root system. But it doesn't happen overnight. Don't get frustrated if you're not where you think you ought to be. Just find some time to study the Word. Find some time to get some disciplines in your life. Find some time to pray. Put these things in your life and let the growth process. Let the roots go down. This is why it's so very important. We're doing something amazing here. We're doing something amazing here in our church. I'm telling others about it. Pastors are asking about it. What are you doing? We're getting phone calls from some of those asking, what, what are we doing? How are we going about it? And that is our Bible study groups 
and our Bible study teachers are doing such a great job connecting with people one-on-one, opening the Scripture. But just because somebody goes through a Bible study, be it 12 weeks or 15 weeks or however long, doesn't mean, well, you know, I can chalk that up and say I'm done. No, you know what that is? That is a great jump start into watering your roots. But we can't just get 15 weeks in and say, well, I finished that. I'm good. I'm good to go. Don't ever need to go back and study anymore. No, that's just a jump start. You know what we need to have in this church? We need to have just all sorts of Bible study groups. We all need to be involved in Bible study groups. It needs to, it's becoming the culture of our church. This is what we're moving. I've been talking about culture for a long time, and, and I'm seeing it develop. I'm so proud of what I'm seeing develop as I'm seeing people get hungry for the Word and be willing to teach the Word and be willing to learn the Word. And these Bible study groups, because we are growing, we are putting roots down, we are getting deeper in the Word, we're being faithful to, to church, we're coming to the house of the Lord. And so our, our, our root system is going deep. The enemy would love to just clip clip it off. Just shut it off. He would love to take and put you put you in an environment where you cannot grow. I never understood this. I was just a lad when I remember we had some tomato plants and they were in little bitty cubes, this little small cube and they they were there, and I remember Dad watering them, and he was saying, we're going to plant these on such and such a day. And he, he missed that time, and so we went week after week, and they grew a little, but they weren't growing much. But my dad taught me a lesson. He said, son, when we take these things out, he broke the loose, and he pulled that tomato plant up. When he did, the roots were just, just all packed in tight. He said, now watch what happens. And he put that in the ground. And he covered it all up. He said, now in just a few days with some water. And he said, those roots are going to take, take off. And he said, the first thing that's going to happen is the roots are going to grow. And when those roots grow, he said, then all of a sudden that tomato plant will start growing. But if we keep it in that little small container, it's not going to produce fruit. And sure enough, when that plant went in the ground, he began to water. Just a few days, all of a sudden, that plant begins to grow. Before long, it's blooming. Before long, it's putting on tomatoes. Before long, we're having to tie it and stake it because it's getting so large and it's producing. And, it's, and he says, son, it would have never happened if it stayed in its little confinement. But it has to be in an environment where it can grow. It's a transformation process that God has for every one of us, for every one of you. He wants you to grow. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and all things are become new. Understand this. It's not an overnight adventure. It's not an overnight thing that just you wake up and you, you will it to be and tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going I'm to have it. It's a process. Your root development is a process. Your prayer life is a process. Work on it daily. Your ability to get in the Word of God and understand it, you have to commit to the process of study. 
the self-denial and control, self-controls. You must commit to the processes and you're growing. You must commit to all of the ups and downs of being part of a local assembly. Because the local assembly is made up of people. There's going to be failure. There's going to be hurts. There's going to be disappointments. There's going to be things you like and things you don't like. There's going to be things that you approve of and things you disapprove of. But what we do is together we learn from each other. The Bible says iron sharpeneth iron. So spiritual growth is a choice of commitment to stay with it and to, to stay together. It's an innate desire of every one of us to be more than what we are. Every one of us, if I was to go around this room, nobody, I would doubt that anybody in this room would be honest and say, nope, I'm good like I am. I don't ever want to be anything more. I don't want to ever accomplish anything more. I don't want to ever do anything more because there is an innate desire that God has put within every one of us to be more, to do more, to accomplish more. And you can be, you can be. But the responsibility lies within you. Will you commit to that kind of growth? Will you study to show yourself approved? Will you let the growth process happen? What if Jesus, when he was 12 years of age, would have gone to the temple, would have, would have astonished the religious leaders of that day, and would have said, good job, I'm done. No more growth, no more development, no more wisdom. That's it. And then he would have shown back up on the scene again at 30. Sure, he had the ability to astound the religious leaders of that day. But he gave us an example to continue to grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Wherever you are, we must be growing. You are not wasting your time. I know you came tonight. Many of you had other things you could have done. Some of you had classes you needed to take, houses you needed to clean, chores needed to be done, yards needed to be mowed, but you chose to be in the house of God. You chose to come here teaching. You chose, you know what? You did not waste your time. The enemy wants you to think you're wasting your time. But resist the devil by being steadfast in the faith. Stand with me all over the building. Thank you for being here tonight. God bless you. I want to see this church grow and become more than we've ever been before. You ready to grow together? You ready to become more in God than we've ever been? Oh, let's lift our hands toward heaven and ask God to help us. Lord, I pray over every member in this room tonight. I pray over this church, over this church family. God, I'm praying your blessings upon everyone. God, I'm praying for growth. I'm praying for roots to develop, for there to be, Lord, a development in every one of us, God. We're all at different stages, God, but we're all committed to growth in you, development in you. Let us be what you've called us to be. Let us become what you've called us to become. Lord, we need you. We want to grow in you. We want